7, episode 11 of the Four Star Spurs podcast. Today, I'm your host, Tommy. With this, with me this week are Lucas. Hello, hello, hello. John. Lovely to be with you as always. And new to the podcast, we have Michael. Hey, everybody. It's Michael here. Uh, I just wanted to quickly introduce myself and say I'm the self-appointed manager of our Chicago Spurs rec team. Uh, we play on Sunday nights, and hopefully we'll be having an indoor league as well. And I'm happy to be joining all of you guys here on the Four Star Spurs podcast. Uh, I just want to let you all know that if you're interested in joining the Chicago Spurs rec team, perhaps becoming the Harry Kane or Hyungman Son of Chicago Spurs, you can always uh, reach out to us on all the social media, Chicago Spurs, or find us at The Atlantic who, by the way, sponsored a really cool custom kit for our team. And I've been involved for a couple of years now with uh, Chicago Spurs since the beginning of COVID. And uh, I'm really excited to make my audio debut with Four Star Spurs. So that all being said, it's great to be here. Thank you, Tommy. Oh, no problem. Actually, uh, before I forget, I kind of want to go into your background of how you became a Spurs fan. Yeah, so uh, a friend of mine was uh, very into the Premier League as an Everton fan at the beginning of COVID, and I started watching. Harry Kane caught my eye, and next thing you know, I started getting into Spurs. And then add to that, I work in the Jewish community here, and I travel to Israel a lot for work. Uh, So uh, Tottenham has always been a really, really popular team in the community in Israel and here in Chicago. So uh, for me, it was just the right fit. I am truly a Yid and proud to be part of the Yid Army. So uh, since I found the Atlantic, um, I could not stay away. You'd have to pay me to stay away. <laughs> Very nice and glad to have you on. Um, and for those who know, and Michael's mentioned, um, he is the head of the rec team, but he's also a board member for Chicago Spurs along with Lucas. Um, so... Now let's dive into everything, into the first half. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to pr- review Everton. Um, as Michael knows, or his friend would know, we did beat Everton 2-0. We had two goals, uh, one from Harry Kane. He just, or in his 400th appearance nonetheless. Uh, and we had an, another goal from Pierre-Emil Hoiberg. So we look good. Uh, generally speaking, I'm, uh, I felt like, we were in control of the match. Uh, I wouldn't say it was total domination. Um, Pickford kind of looks suspect, of course, as usual. Um, but I would say overall, don't have a lot of complaints. Who wants to go first in terms of just Lucas? What do you got? Yeah. Uh, no, for me, this was just a really weird – this was a strange game because it, it didn't feel like Everton ever – I mean, they came out and they parked the bus call it what it is. Lampard came out, set him up to park the bus. This is a team that's very difficult to beat. They don't concede a lot of goals. And they just parked the bus, kept their shape, and that was their game plan from the very beginning. And I think we saw in that first 10 minutes, we came out, we just poured it on for 10 minutes, and we looked like we were knocking at the door consistently. And then we just hit a wall where they were kind of allowed to grow into the game, control the ball in the midfield for a little bit, and just kind of take our momentum off and then it's like for that rest of the first half after the second or after that 10 minute period, the entire rest of that first half was pretty boring. We weren't really getting that many chances. And if we're honest, they actually had the two best chances of the first half, even though they were parking the bus, they had gray and somebody else actually get through and have one-on-ones with Hugo. So 
there was a lot that we could have done better in that first half, but it just, it seemed like it was really weird how we went for 10 minutes. Like we went hell for letter and then just kind of took our foot off the gas and said, screw it. Okay. Yeah. Thank Thank you. Luke. I, I agree with you, but I think that what was most interesting about the game is how it all changed when Basuma came on and you would think, I mean, natural logic is you've got three forwards out there. You're going to score more goals than if you've got two forwards out there. But in fact, we had a lot more chances when we redu- when we were reduced to two forwards than we did when we had three out there. And I hope that that is a sign that Conte sees and continues with because we've done it, what, in, in three games now. And it's been successful in all three, but we've never started that way. And I don't know whether Richardson's got pictures on Conte or what, but it seems to me as if um, if you've got something that works, why don't you start it from the beginning? Look. Yeah, I, I agree with you completely there. And I, I think because what was interesting about this one is that in in like the Leicester game, for example, we were forced into like Conte decided to make a tactical decision to switch to the three midfielders in bringing in Basuma. And this one, it wasn't as much of a choice, which is kind of what's even more frustrating. It's this one was we were forced into it by Richarlison going out injured. And then we saw as soon as that happened, we seemed as much as you hate to see one of our good players going out injured. It seemed to completely open up the game. And I think with Basuma being in there, it allows Hoybeer and Bentoncourt to actually have a little bit of free, uh, free reign on the press. And then we see these lanes just open up for Kane and Son. I think without this that that two man midfield that that structure that Conti seems to love I don't think we've seen it really work since Kulachevsky's been hurt I think he's a massive linchpin in how we run that we really haven't seen a time where Kane Son and Richarlison together have had any kind of real positive effect Yeah I'm I'm with you and, Oh sorry I've got a dog here <laughs> listeners uh, that's Abigail trying to put a six cents of thing um, we may not have any choice on Wednesday because it looks like Kubaleski's still going to be out. Richardson's definitely out. And um, he may be forced, as uh, as you say, Luke, he was forced into it on Saturday because of uh, substitutions, uh, because of injuries. And, you know, we could see it again. And if we do and it goes really well, then I think the case for that, uh, structure is is definitely there. All right, Michael, the, you're the you're the new one. Don't be bashful. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, well, I have to agree with you both. And the fact of the matter is, Kulisevsky's left foot is what makes the three at the front work. Richarlison doesn't have that same ability to curl those shots in in the same way. Uh, and we saw in that second goal, <laughs> Harry Kane makes the pass down the flank. It goes to Bentoncourt to Hoybeer, and that's the goal. It's the two midfielders who get the goal and the assist because we have three midfielders. When we only had two, they weren't able to get into those positions because they were trying to cover and take up space in other areas. But when we have three midfielders, even if Harry Kane is not in the striking position, he's the guy that sets up the play. And if you have extra midfielders, you've got the bodies in the space to work the goal. That's how we were able to get that. Uh, second goal against Everton. So we'll see if Kulosevsky is back. Will we go back to three at the front and will it start to rev us up into first gear, which I don't know about you guys, but I don't know if we've gotten there yet. I think we could be scoring a lot more goals um, and we're sort of waiting to 
to hit that form. And maybe with Kulisevsky back, we can do that. Luke? Oh, thanks. Uh, so, yeah, Michael, I was actually in definite agreement. Um, huge fan of Dion, as everybody knows. We definitely missed him. Uh, I think it's pretty obvious that he does a lot of work, maybe one and a half, two times the work of a normal or your average player um, makes Royale look normal. I feel like at times Dort even looks stellar. So I don't know. We'll t- uh, and of course, we'll talk about it in the second half with Man U and Newcastle. But if Richarlison's out, who are we going to put in? Um, we'll make those projections and predictions later. But uh, oh, John, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say something that I'm kind of looking forward to now is getting Doherty out there with Kuleski because Doherty, in my mind, is a far better player than Emerson Royale. And I don't see why anybody else can't see that. Um, Conte said that he wasn't quite up to match fitness. My goodness, he played two games, two international games, didn't he? And... uh, had no problem there. Um, he came on last week and, he, and Conte said, well, he wasn't quite there. Well, this week he said he was there. And I, I would have said he was there earlier. But nonetheless, he um, looked very, very confident. gets uh, uh, fit and we have those two down the right, I, I'm looking forward to that. I think that could be a great combination. Lucas, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm with you guys there, and I think it's it's kind of funny, you know, how last year when we played Man United, it was that 3-0, we got smoked at home, and that ended up being what sacked Nuno and got us Conti, so at the time, that 3-0 beatdown we took seemed like the end of the world, but it ended up being a blessing in disguise for us. To me, that's kind of how I feel about Royale getting that dumb red card at the Emirates, where I'm like, that we might have something great come from this all with him getting that red card because it's allowed a three-game window where Conti has no choice but to force Doherty back into the action. And this was always Doherty's role to lose. Conti made it clear from the beginning that he trusts Doherty more than he trusts Royale. The only reason Royale got the spot over him was because he had that gruesome injury last year against Villa. So now it's, it's now becoming Doherty's spot to lose again, which is something you want to see because... I, I think we can always upgrade and that that's something we should be looking at in the future. But for what we have right now, he's probably our best option. And I think we saw, especially when we brought in the extra midfielder in Basuma, I think it allowed for us to have a little bit more free reign on the wings. And Doherty all of a, started, all of a sudden, he started taking chances, trying to run past his man and get around the, towards the end line and drive the ball in the box that way. And as soon as he did it, the first time he skinned his man, nutmegged another guy, drew a yellow card and a foul and got us the got us a couple of set pieces right there at the outside of the box so it seemed like once he started once he got that freedom of having a little bit of cover in the midfield he was able to actually get forward more and the more you saw his confidence grow the more he kept beating his man and winning positive results for us so that's something that I'm hoping that we get to see a lot more of in the upcoming games is that his confidence grows off that and he can still take try and take on his man and I was the one thing I want to note though about Dory though is like, say if he gets if he starts against uh, Man United, Newcastle, getting acclimated to things again, coming off the injury, playing more, you know that's going to bring more confidence. It's kind of like how I've always said about Ryan Sessegnon. <clears throat> Excuse me. The issue with him is we know he can be a great talent, but he's not getting the run of games. So like, if you can get both of those a good run of games, 
and he's and you can see that things are looking good. Let's roll the dice with it. Let's see what happens. And the um, games are going to be coming. The games are going to be coming really thick and fast here. You're going to see a lot of rotation in, like you said, like Doherty probably isn't going to start both. He has to start United because this is the last one for Royale to sit out. But then yeah. Royale might start against Newcastle because you don't want to start Doherty, whose fitness has been in question. You don't want to have him play 90 minutes, three straight games inside of a week. So we might see Royale start. We're going to see Cess and Perisic continue to get rotated. And that's what we need to actually, we need to be able to rely on all these guys. And that's something that we've known since the beginning of the season with this crazy World Cup nonsense. It's going to be, we're going to have games now where we have, I think with what, United and then it's Newcastle and then it's another midweek game for Champions League and then it's another Premier League game at the weekend. So it's going to be a game every few days and we're going to need to rotate those guys. And we're going to have to have Conti be able to do what he did against Everton here and have that tactical flexibility where he's okay with saying, you know what, today might be the day we have to start Basuma in the middle, kind of like we did against Brighton. Or, you know what, today's the day we're going to actually have three guys up top. We're going to put Lucas Moura where Richarlison was, and we're just going to roll that out. Or something like, we're going to have to show some kind of flexibility from a tactics standpoint, as well as rotating these guys in and out, because we just have so many games and we're not we don't get any breaks in there it's not like we get to play some easy team it's like it's right premier league talent and then champions league so this is we need the guys to step up and this is where we're going to need them to do it exactly and like i also it kind of helps that spence i mean he only got a handful of minutes but at least he's getting some playing time so this is going to help build some tap for him and what is it there's going to be at least three more weeks uh before the world cup starts so what is it? This week we got Man United, we got Sporting Lisbon, we got Mar- Marseille, and then eventually we got Nottingham Forest in the League Cup. So depending on how Conte rotates the squad, um, it's going to be very interesting to see who will take advantage, keep their spot. Um, maybe somebody might actually force Conte to make the hard decision of like who is going to be in the mix. But at least... Things are looking up compared to what we've seen a few weeks ago. Anybody have any other thoughts? Oh, Lucas, go ahead. Uh, on a different note, back towards the Everton game, um, I just think it was I, – I was glad that what – I, what I kind of want to – we got to get back to that place where we can score goals early. And I know I say, I've said that probably thousands of times on this podcast alone, but it's just you, – you see how different it becomes once – especially against the team that's trying to park the bus – once we get that goal lead, it just becomes it just becomes the Harry Kane and Youngman Sun show up top and it just becomes a free for all on these counterattacks. And it's it's a it's a shame that it took us so long and that we needed the gift that we got from Pickford, which was just a hilarious bit of goalkeeping from our standpoint. I mean, that was an absolute yeah. just he gift wrapped that one for us and just and took the, out Harry's knees like an the, idiot. And the thing with I remember back in the day, you know, Pickford was very good at Sunderland. That's why they got relegated. Everton signed him. And it's just like, he's been, he's shown some flashes of brilliance, but he, past handful of season, he seasons, he's been very erratic. And thankfully we were, we were able to reap the rewards. And he did kind of something dumb. Uh, John, you had your hand up. Yeah. I was just thinking, I've still got a lot of the old spurs in me that makes me nervous when we've got a one goal lead. And, I was nervous when Marseille got that goal. It was only a one-goal lead. I was nervous when we only had one goal on Saturday. Uh, 
I think it's going to take a while for me to not get over that nervousness, but it would be nicer if we got a bigger cushion. It'd be better on my heart if we got a bit more. Uh, yeah, Michael. Well, and the interesting thing about that is if you look at this game, Everton, um, the only two clear-cut chances that they got, which were both wasted anyways, but both of them came from horrendous defensive mistakes that if it was a better team, they they could have easily capitalized on those mistakes and scored. And I'm thinking of uh, Mohamed Salah uh, against Manchester City. I mean, I saw him get let off twice from these same sorts of defensive mistakes that are avoidable. In general, though, I, I will say the silver lining is um, our defense has seemed relatively stable. We have these calamitous, horrible mistakes. Um, the question is, are we able to limit those? If we are, the way our defense is playing regularly is pretty good, I think. I think Dyer's been great. I think Romero has continued to be maybe one of the top five defenders in the league. I don't know if that's a hot take, but Romero really has stood out as a star. If we can avoid those momentary stupid calamities where someone didn't talk to each other as what happened at Everton uh, with their second break, I think, um, when our players just sort of miscue and then the ball's let loose and there it goes one-on-one with the goalkeeper. If we can avoid those, I am cautiously optimistic. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but I'm going to say cautiously optimistic. No, you're. Uh, that's been a recurring theme at times the past few seasons under Jose, Nuno, Conte. So you are definitely not alone. Uh, Lucas, what do you got? Yeah, no, I'll, I'll tell you, Michael. I'm not oh, cautiously yeah, ahead, optimistic. I'm always, I'm always very optimistic, and don't, oh, don't oh, mind before, expressing those opinions either. Lucas, before you chime in, um, Michael, since you're new uh, to the podcast, John did last year predict would win the quadruple. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't happen. But there goes your optimism, Lucas. What do you got? No, I, I think that. Uh, a, I don't think that that's a hot take at all that Romero's one of the top five defenders in the league. Um, it's just, he's one of those where we kind of just take the good with the bad. Like, he's so capable of, his ceiling is so high that with it, every once in a while comes a blunder. And like like you said, that's the thing is, we, we can dissect the game about how this Everton game, we didn't really get out of first gear, it felt like. It felt like we came out in like third or fourth gear in that first 10 minutes and then went back and just cruise control in first gear for the next half hour or so, which kind of felt weird. But um, even that all being said, like, okay, there was a lot of things we would have liked to change here and there about the game. Uh, Defense, yeah, we made a few mistakes that led to some chances that a opposition that was of higher quality might have put away and buried those. But this was still an Everton team that didn't have a shot on target. That's the first time that's happened for them in like over six years or something like that was like the number. Like, so they were there. That's that should say enough about how we were able to dictate the game and make the game go the way we wanted it to an extent that you, you play, you play enough games where you're limiting teams to no shots on target. You're probably going to win more games than you're going to (laughs) lose. Like that's, that's pretty good. And that's what you want to see. So there's, yeah, there's things that you want to, change and nitpick here and there about the game and I think we've done a good job of that but at the same time I just want to remind people that we've now had our best start ever in the Premier League um I think we're we're getting better and better each game and we're seeing more and more guys kind of grow into Conti's system and Conti's been telling us to trust the process and whatnot 
So it's like, yeah, you want to have that where you get to this zone where guys are starting to show the familiarity that Conti's looking for in the trust where he's now showing Basuma saying he, he seems to trust Basuma a little bit more where at the beginning against West Ham and when he got slotted in, it was kind of a shit show and he's given Spence a run out. So it's clear that these guys are trying to take what he's teaching them and take it in, especially on the training ground. It seems like these guys are learning and getting better. Oh, exactly. Um, but I want to go back to your point about how Lucas, you said Everton had no shots on goal. How you said, we didn't really kick it up a gear to be fair. I felt the same way. I didn't think it was, like I said, uh, beginning total domination, but we're definitely in control. So I kind of want to go through some stats, uh, possession. We were dominating 62, 38 shots. It was even worse. Uh, 21 to four shots on target, clean sweep for us, seven to nil corners. And John can appreciate this because he said it a lot. Seven corners to one corner to Everton. And then lastly, it's it's kind of irrelevant um, in terms of offensive stats. But fouls, we had 12. Everton had 13. So, I mean, yeah, Everton kind of didn't capitalize on two things. Like Hoiberg had, a, or as Michael mentioned, we, they had some good ch- or two good chances. If they actually made it on target, could have been a little bit different. But, I mean... It's hard. Overall, it's kind of hard to complain about things. Um, I mean, p- past handful of matches against whether it be Eitrock, Frankfurt, Arsenal, etc. Things aren't looking, but at least we're not making major mistakes right now. So that's good. Well, and did you see Harry Kane yesterday? Or sorry, at the Everton game, he was standout. I mean, as usual, but uh, he seemed even faster in my view than than normal. He had so many snapshots and opportunities. It's his work that creates the penalty, and he's the one that gets, I guess we call it the pre-assist, to set up the second goal. And that sort of sharpness from Harry Kane, you know, we're not having this, like, slow Harry Kane rollout like we did last year. He's just on fire from the very beginning. And once Son sort of continues to sharpen himself up, and if – Conte uses two at the front or we sort of get Kulosevsky back into things. I think our offense is really, really going to step into overdrive. And I honestly, I don't know if we've seen them get into overdrive yet this season. And I'm looking forward to seeing that happen because Harry Kane is shockingly good as usual, even in a game like this, when we're complaining about, you know, we could have started, we could have been a little sharper. We could have been a little more clinical. We could have done better. And even in a game like that, Harry Kane, I mean, all the opportunities he created, the shots he took, the penalty he drew, um, well, he didn't even need to draw. We can credit that to Pickford. But in any case, that's um, that's a place where we can really kick it into overdrive. And I hope when the pressure is on in the coming matches against United and Newcastle, and we'll talk about it later, I hope that's when we see that overdrive kind of kick in. Definitely. Uh, John, you had something? Go ahead. Yeah, I think that's a very good point, Michael. Um, we're talking about a team that has has been more successful than any Spurs team within most people's history. But we're still looking about the fact that we don't think that we're in overdrive yet. And we're, we're not. But when that occurs, it's going to be sensational. And I think I think we're very close. Harry Kane looked very sharp on Saturday. I agree with you. But he hasn't looked very sharp in all the games recently. Um, but he was 
he was on the ball uh, on Saturday and, as you say, making a nuisance of himself, which is what he does best. But I, like you, are looking forward to uh, getting in that top gear and uh, really going for it. It should be sensational. And I would say the best thing about the fact that we didn't hit top gear right now is, I mean, yeah, Arsenal's first place right now. And we're four points behind. We're even with Man City in terms of points. Uh, Chelsea has a game in hand, but if, even if they win, we're still ahead of them. Uh, Man United, game in hand, and so forth. So depending on when the team does kick into the next gear, we can make a really good push, fingers crossed. Um, hopefully we can ruin somebody's day, maybe ruin somebody's title chances. But one game at a time, of course. Uh, let's see how it goes. Anybody have any final thoughts before we go to MVP, LVP? I'm going to take that as a no. Okay. So, you know what? I'm going to go first for MVP. So, if anybody, or Michael, I don't think you were at the bar on Saturday, but Lucas and John were there. And uh, I was talking to Jeff, who was at the bar on Saturday. I was telling a bunch of people, I'm like, you know, Ben Cor, you, you can see how great he can be against Brighton and against Everton on Saturday. He's been great. I think uh, so. I think if he keeps this continual string of games um, being very consistent, I mean, there's no real stopping him. I mean, it helped that Basuma was helping out uh, on Saturday, but I think Ben Core is great, so that's why he's my MVP. Uh, Michael, since you're new, I'm going to let you go in next. Who do you got? Well, I also, by the way, was at the New York City Spurs bar in Brooklyn, so shout out to you uh, at Flannery's because that was fantastic. Uh, that said, I, I do miss, you know, the home bar at the Atlantic, so I'm um, sorry I wasn't there. But I have to say, um, I, I was thinking about the midfield. I was thinking about Hoy Bear in particular. But I, for, for the even with the mistakes he made at the end, I'm going to go with Harry Kane because I think the penalty that he took, having done that after whiffing that last one, that was a really tough one, setting up that that second goal, all the work he put in, Despite the fact that he made some mistakes at the end that kind of frustrated me, I uh, I think I'm going to say Harry Kane is my MVP for the chances it created, the work he did to elevate Bentecourt and Hoybier to set up that second goal. I mean, you just love to see it. So I'm going with Harry Kane. Fair enough. Um, Lucas, what do you got? Or who do you got? Well, yeah, I'll go next. And I just want to say I'll, another shout for Harry, though, when Michael was talking about that penalty, that's also somebody he's going against. That's Pickford that knows him. He's England's number one. So that's somebody that has trained and practiced with Harry on those types of, uh, on, like, on uh, taking PKs like that all the time. So that's somebody that probably knows him closer than anyone bar Hugo. So that was even more impressive that he was able to step up and bury that the way he did. Uh, mine's actually going to be Basuma, though, for my MVP. Um, I thought he was really, really impressive, and he's had a couple of games now where he's been able to get in, and he's had, like, a quick yellow or something, which has kind of made him then kind of disappear into the background. And this game, it looked very different. From the second he got out there, he looked comfortable, he looked calm, he looked in control, and he looked like he had a very good idea of what Conte wanted him to do, and that's the most important thing. We know that he's a guy that we got. We know he has the talent. We know what kind of caliber he is as a player and what his ceiling is. It's just a matter of can he wrap his head around what Conti wants him to do. And that looked like that was a good first step on 
Saturday. He looked really, really good. And I think that allowed for our other two guys to have a lot more freedom moving forward in uh, Hoybier and Bentinker. So big shout for Basums. Sounds good. John, who do you have? Well, I think it's indicative of the quality of the game that we're going to have four different opinions about MVP. I thought Hobier was fabulous. I mean, he just dictated that midfield in his position. And I think his game has improved under Conte. I mean, he was always important. But now, I mean, not only did he come forward, he got the goal. Um, I'm I'm with Hobier. And interesting point, Luke, that you said that Pickford had trained with Harry uh, I hadn't thought about that because he did dive the right way for that penalty. And uh, it was just the power of the shot that got past him. But I was uh, going to say the same thing because he had a good reach to that. And yeah. It, like, yeah, he did. It's so instinctively, it looked like Pickford, he did the right thing. And I'm like, can, can you fault him for it? Of course not. Right. So, yeah, four different people, four different opinions on what I thought was a great team performance. So I'm going to go with Hobier. Fair enough. And uh, let's do MVP or LVP. Um, and John, to your point, how you said everybody played very well, that kind of sums up me for LVP. I don't have anybody. So anybody disagree or agree? I agree I with you entirely. Go I, ahead. Or, um, I, I, would, I would give it to Dyer only, only for the miscommunication that led to that second um, clear-cut chance from Everton because I, if I remember correctly, and I hope I'm not wrong, I think it's Dyer who's tracked back, and maybe it's Troy Beer, but I can't remember who. And they get the ball for a second, and I think they both believe that the other is going to clear the ball, and neither do. That's how it goes through. But honestly, you know, those defensive mistakes are always the ones that we notice the most. Uh, and I think he had a really solid game outside of it. So it's. It's a light LVP. It's not uh, a full-on condemnation, but I'll, I'll give the shout-out to that mistake. Fair enough. Well, I'm not going to give Dyer the LVP because he made one mistake. I'm with Tommy. I don't think any of them deserve that moniker this week, and uh, yeah, it's indicative of the quality of the, of the team that we've got out there as uh, our thoughts about that. Fair enough. Lucas, did you have anybody? Nope. Okay, so that's going to wrap up the first half for right now. Uh, second half, we do we will be previewing Manchester United and Newcastle, um, but we do have some halftime segments. Uh, we will have John's loan seg loan update, and but now we have Luke's locks. Luke's locks. All right, welcome to Luke's locks. We got a lot of games this week, so you guys are going to get an extra bonus pick in here because Uncle Luke's always looking out for your guys' wallets. First up this week is going to be a Wednesday game, so make sure you guys get your bets in quick. It's going to be Man United at home versus Spurs to win on the money line. I hate predicting a Tottenham loss, but this is us going to Old Trafford, which rarely ends well, so this one seems like a no-brainer. Take United at home on the money line. Next up. It's a Thursday game, and it's going to be over two and a half goals in Leicester at home versus Leeds. Uh, both teams dropped points this weekend, and both were held scoreless in those games. So I think we'll see both sides come out a little bit more aggressive, and we might have ourselves a bit of a shootout to take over two and a half goals in Leicester versus Leeds. Third game, it's on Saturday, and it's Chelsea at home, minus a half goal against Man United. Uh, Chelsea's been on a roll lately, and... 
have looked very strong at home in the Graham Potter era. So I think they will just be a little bit more up for it against their old foe, Man United, and they should have a comfortable win at home. So take Chelsea minus the half goal at home on Saturday versus United. Fourth game, another unfortunate one that I hate to give out, but it's that Arsenal minus a half goal on the road at St. Mary's this weekend. Southampton has only eight points from 10 games and sits in 18th on the table. So as much as I hate Arsenal winning and the idea of Arsenal winning, this is a no-brainer, and you might as well get some free money if you're going to have to watch it happen anyway. So take Arsenal minus the half goal at Southampton. Last up, we will end on a positive note here. We're going to take our beloved Tottenham Hotspur minus the half goal at home on Sunday versus Newcastle. We've done a good job turning the lane into a fortress this year, and we've won all seven of the games we've played at home this season. I expect us to keep that trend rolling against Newcastle on Sunday, so lock in Spurs minus the half goal at home versus Newcastle. There's your five free picks of the week. Let's go get rich, kids. John, hit us up with that loan update. Thank you, Lou. That's uh, that's all good stuff there. I wish I could say the same thing about my October loan update, but uh, there's some pretty sad news in here one way or another uh, about six of our nine loanees. Uh, I'm going to start with the worst news, and that is that uh, Troy Parrott, who's on loan at Preston, scored his first goal for them uh, this last Saturday, but unfortunately he was injured in the process and is expected to be out until at least January. So it's a very, very sad thing for him. He was getting coming into his own at Preston. They were loving him. Um, all they needed for him to, was to score a couple of goals. He did that, and now he's done for three months, which is uh, very disappointing. And we all feel for the lad and wish him the best. Um, along the same note, uh, Harry Winks is still injured. Um, he has not played a minute for Sampdoria. He has not been on the bench once. There is some uh, conjecture that he will come back from Sampdoria to Tottenham, although I don't know what the, whether there's any truth in that, because if he did come back, what would we do with him? Our squads are already established. So he's, in a, he's not in a good way. And the same could be said about Regulon. Now, he, uh, we know a little bit more about why he's not playing for Atletico Madrid. And the fact is that he had surgery um, within two weeks of arriving at Atletico Madrid. So he has not played. Um, we're not getting any notice from them about how long he's going to be out, what he's out with, what the surgery was about. But nonetheless, he's, uh, he's having a rough time of it too. Um, Joe Roden, who was having a really good time with uh, Rennes there in France, got a red card so he's has not started the last two games and i think he's got one more game left on his suspension which is disappointing um, because he was getting really good reviews and hopefully he will get back to that but he's been gone for three uh, he will be gone for three games because of the red because of the red card um and dembele rather predictably is not getting on with napoli he hasn't started since October the 9th. He was leaving on the bench last Saturday. Lots of talk about 
the manager not trusting him, he's not doing what he was told. I don't think anybody who's been following him will be surprised at this. Uh, but nonetheless, he's not doing himself any favours. And, uh, you know, the best we could hope for is that he gives a good performance so we can get more money for him. But he's not even doing that for us, which is really disappointing. Um, then we go to Alfie Whiteman, who plays in Degafor in Sweden. He had a serious concussion three games ago. He had to come off. His uh, replacement, a guy called Gal, G-A-L, I don't know how you pronounce that in Swedish, uh, has played the last three games. So I don't know whether that's because his concussion is, has put him out or whether he's lost his spot to Gal. But again, if he's not playing and he's on loan from us, then that's not a good thing. So anyway, that's all the bad news. Let's talk a little bit about good news. Um, Destiny Ugogi, um, he is having a fabulous job at uh, Udinese. They're a sixth in the series in Serie A. Um, he's starting every game. I thought the interesting thing about his starting when I looked at the lineups is that he started on both flanks. So I think that shows his versatility. And at that age to be starting on the right and starting on the left, uh, um, he's one for the future, obviously looking forward to getting him in next season and uh, really think he'll be doing something for, for Tottenham. Um, so uh, Giovanni de Celso at Villarreal, I mean, he's found his home. He's in Spain. He's having a good time. He's not really scoring a lot, but he's starting. He's playing in the Champions League. He's happy as can be, I would think. And I, I think if we're talking about happiness for the player or whatever, then he, he should be playing at Villarreal. I don't expect him to come back to Tottenham. I don't know how he would fit in with the current uh, regime anyway i mean he's a he's a good player in his own way and um i wish him all the best but i think that we're uh, you know we've seen the end of him and then finally the best news of all of the loanies is dane scarlet at portsmouth um they i watched them play this afternoon they played against charlton and uh scarlet looked very useful um Early on, he did fade a bit in the second half. He wasn't um, substituted. But Portsmouth were dismal, and they lost 3-0, and their heads got down. And so I don't think we really saw the best of him today. But, I mean, he scored four goals since he's been at Portsmouth. Um, my cousin, who's a Portsmouth uh, season ticket holder, says he's seen him a couple of times. He said he's got huge potential. Loves, loves him being there. The crowd love him. Um, he does think that sometimes he looks a little immature, which is understandable, thinking about his age. But he's doing some things up front that other players at Portsmouth have not been doing, and uh, he's getting rave reviews. So there is a little bit of good news here, but let's hope, uh, let's wish Parrot and Winks and Regulon well in their injuries. I hope they get better. Let's hope uh, Roden gets back on after his red card and, uh, and Dembele I can't really care about. Uh, so so that's it. We hope Arthur Whiteman gets back on, uh, you know, gets his place back. And uh, 
I hope that next time in November we'll be talking, uh, we will have some good news for, for you, more good news than we had today. So that's me, that's John, and I've got, that's my loan update for October 2022. Thanks again, John. Uh, thanks again, Lucas, for your, both of your segments. Um, John, hopefully things will look better. And I was actually, I didn't realize Port, Portsmouth was actually playing Charlton. did see the score. Um, while it's unfortunate that Scarlet didn't play well, Charlton did win 3-0. Sorry about your cousin, but oh well. Um, but I do want to shift gears now. We did get a social media question for our good friend Shubes. He'll actually be in America for a little bit. Um, he told me this weekend he'll be in Minneapolis. So, Suge, uh, Tom, if you're listening, you'll see Shubes very soon. And I was. he also told me he'll be in San Diego uh, during this trip as well. Um, but Shubes' question actually ties into John's loan update. His question is, do we burden overburden young players with our expectations, depending on how they do on loan? As an example, um, John did, did talk about Troy Parrott, Dane Scarlett, who's supposed to be big names for the future. Um, Shubes' example was Stephen Cocker, who was supposed to be very good, or he was very good for Swansea at the time, and the Robins, who was, I think, Bristol City. Um, but he said a change of manager plus the pressure of being a homegrown as Ledley retired, which would have been back in 2012, did not help the cause. Um, as an example, or some other examples, we had some highly tied players. I remember years ago, Dean Parrott, he was supposed to be the next big thing in central midfield. He did not pan out whatsoever. I think he's playing in, uh, he's not even the football league anymore. Um, I remember Giovanni Dos Santos, he's supposed to come out with a bang. He did not, or he got sent out on loan times many times because of attitude problems, partying late. Harry Redknapp was not pleased. Um, but generally speaking, maybe you, uh, anybody wants to cite some examples. John, I saw you had your hand up. Go. Yeah, thanks, Shoot. Uh, didn't realize you were coming over. Look forward to seeing you if you get to Chicago. I think it's a good question, but I don't think we know the answer, and that's really why. Um, these guys are sent out on trial to other teams to show us what they can do. Um, some take this as an insult and don't really uh, don't feel that they've got to do what they need to do. Others really push for it. And I think that you see uh, a lot of the mentality of the players when they're on loan, how they treat it. Um, the ones that envelop it completely and really get involved, I think, are the ones that we're going to see in the future. But you never, ever know. I mean, think about how many times Harry Kane went out on loan before he came to us. And I think it's important for the player development. And it's also important for Tottenham to see what their mentality is, as well as their talent. I mean, they've all got talent. Um, every one of these players that's on loan has enormous talent. But that doesn't make you a good footballer and it doesn't make you a team player and it doesn't make you automatically play in the Premiership. And so I think the loan, the way that Tottenham are doing loans is, is extremely good. Um, I think that there's a good chance that three of at least three of these loanees will come and be part of Tottenham's first team next year. Uh, I definitely think that uh, Ugogi is going to come right in. Now, having said that, they might decide to put him out 
on loan because there's an awful lot of difference playing um, in Udinese, in Calcio, when the sun's shining and the pitches are lovely and everything's good. But I've used this analogy before. When you're playing Wednesday night and, the wind, and it's pouring with rain and it's windy like hell in Burnley, is an entirely different thing. And we have to, uh, I think, wean some of these players into those positions because we're going to be playing in miserable conditions, which they don't necessarily get on the continent. But having said all that, um, not all of the, we've got nine players on loan. Not all nine are going to come back to Tottenham and make a career with Tottenham. And we know that. Um, I've got money on some. Some I've got money on that they won't make it. You know, I've been wrong more times than I've been right in my life. So you, you just you just never know. But I think it's an essential part of Tottenham Hotspur as a club and with player development. Absolutely. Lucas, who do you have or what do you got? Yeah. So in, in terms of his question, like, do we as fans put pressure? I, I think in very like every once in a while we do. Um, and it's it's sometimes how much pressure gets put on a player when he's young that that can impact whether or not that affects his development. I think a perfect example is Marcus Edwards. I think we all jumped on the Marcus Edwards train and how he's the new English Messi. And we see him now playing uh, for sporting and he seems like a pretty good player. And when we put him on loan as like an 18 year old, we sent him up to Norwich and Norwich sent him back after a couple months and was like, yeah, there's nothing. He doesn't have the right attitude. So if like a team that was trying not to get relegated in the championship, couldn't use him because of his attitude like that. I think that was probably an example where Shubes' point is pretty right. I think we probably, as a fan base and a collective, we probably did a poor job making him this, boosting his ego and making him something in like the, just our end all be all for our hopes for the future. But I think in terms of loaning players when they're young, I think there's two main reasons obviously that you get loaned out. A we have hopes that you are going to be a part of this team moving forward and you can help us win. That would be your Oliver Skip getting loaned. That would be uh, Udogi. Like, that would be guys that are, that's those types of scenarios where you think that this is somebody who can then come be part of your future and help you guys move forward. The other, the other type of loan is, look, we're just trying to recover money on this. And that's what your Lacelsos are, your Ndombele's. And I think you can tell which is which by where they get loaned. Like, if we were to loan out uh, Brian Hill right now to a team in Spain, that does absolutely nothing for him in terms of his Tottenham future. Because we don't play in Spain. And in this league, you have to be... He would benefit more from a loan to, say, Portsmouth, like Scarlett. So, and that's why we've seen the guys that you see are potential earmarks for the future in your Troy Parrots and your Scarlets or your Skippies. These are guys that are getting loaned in England so they learn to, like John said, even the like deal with the conditions, deal with the grind of English football in the day in day out physicality of that, which is something like that's why it, it would not benefit. It, like if we sent Hill out to Spain again on loan, that would be to just try and boost his value and hope that somebody can we could end up seeing a profit off that. But that's going to do no good for him in terms of his ability to grow as an English or as a player playing in England. Because you just don't need the physicality or you don't meet the physicality standards when you're playing out in Las Palmas or whatever. Like, 
you're going to be playing teams here that are going to every guy that you see in a Stoke City shirt or a Burnley shirt or a Norwich shirt, those are all guys that are going to stick their elbow in the back of your neck and play with a different level of physicality that we're expected to be the norm here in England. So I think that's the main thing is it's really important to make sure that you're getting the right type of loan for the right type of young player. I think that's where it's massive because you could just throw any old kid out on loan and say, well, you're not going to be a starter here in the starting 11. So go on loan somewhere, but that could, that loan could be wasting that kid's time. That could be a bad fit for both sides. He could go there and sit on the bench. So there's, it's very important to fit the right type of loan with the right kid in terms of how it's going to benefit you like as the club and that player going forward. John? Yeah, look, I, I agree with you, but this begs a question. Is Saar better off this year at Tottenham, not playing, than he would be if he were out on loan? And I don't it, really know the answer to that. So, um, well, John, you know, he's, I, I, he's getting I thought part the of the thing. club, he's involved, he's knowing, he gets to know everybody, but he's not getting any pitch time. And I'm not sure... What, what will be better for him, quite honestly? What do you think, Luke? Well, I, I think that's a really unique one with him because of Conti. So we've seen what Conti, like, so yeah, obviously the best two things, like you need to either be getting regular minutes or you need to be working with the first team. And I think because of him being a midfielder in Conti's system, I think that's one of the rare exceptions where I think it's probably better for him to be working day in and day out with Conti on the training ground as opposed to playing in Italy or in France or something like that, where, yeah, I think maybe it would like even a, a championship loan would be, per, that would have been my second option would have said, go do that. Like go play for somebody like even a QPR or somebody that's battling to try and come up to the Premier League. Um, so yeah, I think there's, to me, it, it would have been either get him into a championship scenario or let him do what he's doing. Cause I think, like what we've seen with Basuma, like Basuma's a guy with all the talent in the world. We've seen how he's able to boss Premier League games by himself. But now Conti's like, look, you have now a much, I need a much higher intellectual ceiling from you to be able to understand the stuff that I'm asking you to do day in and day out. So I think a midfielder in Conti's system is benefiting from the fact that, especially a younger kid like Saar, I think it's better for him to actually get the just the day in and day out routine of learning Conti's system. I think that'll benefit him in the long run. But I think that's a great point because we've seen guys waste away in those kind of exact scenarios. Exactly. Yeah. Michael, did you have anything uh, to chime in with? I think you guys said it pretty well. I think the only thing I would add to it in terms of from the fan side of things is and, and how it uh, connects to the player is look at the end of the day every player is going to feel that pressure of expectation how they choose to internalize that when they're on loan and when they're here but they're not playing in the first team that's that's what makes uh, a player who has the ability and a player who has both the ability and the proper mindset uh, that's what makes the difference maybe in a way and if you look at uh, and and Dombele, as uh, um, his talent, he's unbelievable. His ceiling, in my view, is absolutely insane. But is his mindset there? Does he deal with the pressure 
from the fans and from the the club in a healthy way? I don't know the answer to that question, but I I'm not optimistic about it. So how the player responds to it is is just as important as the pressure we put on them. And and the fact of the matter is, once they become first team play, players, if they become first team players, that level of expectation is going to get way way higher. So in effect, when they're on loan, <clears throat> we're also sort of testing their metal mentally, not just physically, not just in terms of talent. We're asking, how do you deal with the pressure of fan expectations? How do you deal with uh, the, the, the level of pressure put on you? Because it's only going to get harder. It's not going to get easier. So I think, you know, in some ways, there's, there's, a, there's an internal challenge for the player that comes from our expectations. And I don't think it's unhealthy for us to look at these players and say, he could be the next X, Y, or Z. I think that's natural. It's how they deal with it. That's the question. Sounds good. Okay, so that was actually a very healthy and good conversation. Um, but let's switch gears. Wait, Tommy. Tommy. Yeah, no, sorry, I heard you. No, 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 oh. no, no. Last thing is, I just wanted to run this by John. Um, I heard rumors today that we might be, uh, we might be interested. This is just on the loan subject. We might be interested in uh, triggering the clause for Dennis Serkin. To get him back from Sunderland, this oh, I heard that window. too. I, I, don't I know saw how true that. that is, but I saw that. I thought like, that. I thought that was really interesting. Um, that would be really cool. I didn't realize that there was such clauses. Like six mil or something. The clause. Yeah, I mean, I didn't realize there were such clauses when you sold a player that you could say, "Well, if we like him, we can have him back at this price." But that he's well, that's doing Daniel fantastic. Levy nine job. steps ahead. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's doing a fantastic job at Sunderland. He really is. He's really stepped up. Um, so I, I, I would like to see us entertain that, whether or not it comes to fruition or not. I don't know. But I think it's certainly worth looking into. Or just straight up swap with Sunderland. They can have Ndombele and we'll take Sirkin back and then we'll just call it, we'll just call it easy. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if they, they, can, they can have their pick between Winks or Ndombele, and we get circuit back. Yep. And from what I saw, they're doing pretty well in the championship. So I'm not saying they'll get promoted, but if they get promoted, yeah, Winks could probably go there and do well. Well, they've so. also got Clark, who was on loan there last year. And oh, it's true. Definitely. Yeah. And he's think, doing a good I don't job think he's well. coming back. But. We'll see. Um, okay, so let's switch gears. We do have two matches to discuss. Uh, first one is this Wednesday, October 19th, against Manchester United. We're playing at Old Trafford. Um, locally in Chicago, it'll be 2.15. Um, if you're in England, it'll be 8.15. Um, if you want to watch this, you're going to have to watch it on Peacock in America. If you're in the UK, watch it on Amazon Prime. As of right now, Manchester United have our fifth on the table um, with 16 points. Uh, last five is draw, win, loss, win, win. Uh, kind of know the usual suspects um, in terms of who they are playing. Uh, De Gea, you know, he's been inconsistent to our, hopefully to our benefit. Um, we'll see if Harry Maguire starts, but we know he's very problematic at times. Or uh, previous Spurs player, Christian Eriksen's playing with them. So we, you know, there's a lot of, this game could be interesting. Luke said, 
probably going to, or sounds like we're going to lose, but I mean, can I mean, we did beat Man U at Old Trafford, what, a few years ago with Lucas having, what, two goals or something? So it has been done before. And also depends if Ronaldo is going to play. So who wants to go first uh, to break this game down? And um, the other thing I want to bring up is, you know, hopefully Dayon may come back, you know, where Charleston's out. So I guess another thing to bring up for discussion is how are we going to line up? Maybe, again, three forwards, or are we going to play with three midfielders this time? Because there's a lot of moving parts, uh, generally speaking, whether it be Man U or us. John, go ahead. Well, I I don't think we've got three forwards. So I think we're going to have to play with two. But um, as far as Manchester United are concerned, uh, they're a bit of a Jer- Jekyll and Hyde team this year. Um, they've played some very good football and then played some bloody awful football. And uh, I think it depends which United team shows up. I mean, they're at home. Old Trafford is historically is a fortress for them. They are historically one of the best teams in England and Europe. Um, they're not having such a great year. But uh, I still think we should be a little bit concerned going up there. Um, we've got to play our best. I do not think that we're going to lose, Luke. Sorry. But then that's the optimist in me. But, uh, and uh, yeah, unashamedly, the optimist in me. But, uh, but yeah, I think if we play well and, and you screw up, then we'll win. If Manchester United play really, really well and we screw up, they'll win. So, I mean, I guess, I mean, I guess, like, I mean, who blinks first, I guess. I mean, I'm hoping the past two or a few games we're going to be ready to go, kind of like with Everton. Um, First 10 minutes, we were were attacking. I'd say we looked great, but we were definitely doing that instead of, just resting at the back and then, you know, maybe going down one nil and then Antonio Conte lighting a fire up on us. And then we finally respond or somebody scores, but um, yeah, this should be very entertaining one way or another. Lucas, what do you got? Yeah, no. And, and again, my, my thing with what I predicted and gave out in Luke's locks, I gave out the take United on the win is just from a gambling perspective. That's what the smart money would tell you to do because how many times have we been better than United? And it was like, we, like the momentum was in our favor and we just go up there and we just shit the bet. Like last year, when we played them the second time, we were the better team by a mile and they had turned up once, once the entire year or in the, like the second half of the season, they played one game where they looked like they gave a crap and it was against Norwich and they won like three, two, cause Ronaldo had a hat trick. And then they looked like just absolute dog shit for the next however many games. And then we roll into Old Trafford and here's Ronaldo pops up with another hat trick. It's just it's just that type of dumb luck that I seem to just anticipate when we go up there. It's just that, again, you mentioned the one with Lucas Mora had those two goals when he had the brace that year we went to the Champions League final. He had the brace there that got us the win there. You had the... Uh, the one during COVID where it was uh, the 6-1 game that we played in front of no fans. Lamella got their guy oh. sent off, and we just put him to the sword. That was a fun one. Completely but forgot for about that one. the most part, we go up there and just shit seems to not go our way when we go up there. And I'm sure it'll be like, because Erickson's rumored to be sick or something, so Erickson might not play. 
And so, like, Erickson won't play, and then the guy who will come in for Erickson will have, like, six goals or something. It's always the craziest crap when we go to this place. And that's why I'm, I, I think, cause like, if, if John said, like, if we play our A game and they play their A game, we we should absolutely take care of them. Like, that's that's why we're at the place we are on the table and they're in the place that they are, is we're tied, we're tied point for point with Man City, and Man City's a team that just put six goals past them. So... I know we're not quite Man City, but there's there's no reason we should be afraid of going to play this team at Old Trafford. The only reason I just have my pessimism is just because of years and years of dumb luck biting us in the ass and going their way. But, I mean, I think, honestly, the biggest thing is, to me, is just if we can get just this anti-Ronaldo, because Ronaldo, he's got to start. He's going to be he has to start like he's scored more goals against Tottenham than any team in his career. So it's like, he's going to play. It's, it's just going to be one of those where we have to be sharp at the back and we have to be opportunistic on an attack. And I think that to answer your question is how we're going to line up. I think we'll see us do the, I think we'll start with Basuma and we'll start with that three in the midfield. And then when John is able, if there is, if we do need to change it up, I think that's when we'll probably throw Lucas Mora in up top. And the other thing with Lucas Moore, though, is I've said it many times in the past. Yeah, he, I mean, of course, the midfield's got to be one. I mean, Casemiro, I mean, and Fred, I mean, they might murder us if we're playing two in the mid, two in the middle, but we'll see, I guess. Um, but then, you know, Bruno Fernandez, you got to deal with that with in the attack. So my biggest thing is with Lucas. He's still coming off an injury. He's had some bright spots, I feel like. But let's see him come off or come in, you know, 70-some minutes. Maybe we're tied. We need a goal or whatever. Or maybe we need to put the game to rest. Everybody's going to be tired from Man U. He'll run past him. He'll draw fouls. He'll do whatever it needs to. He's not, he's the one that's not afraid. Like, if there's if there's any doubt with or no doubt with anybody, that's Lucas Mora. So I would like to see him come off the bench and see how that goes. Um, but personally, I do. I wouldn't, as John said earlier, do we have three forwards? I mean, yeah, technically we do. But I think three midfielders might be the better way to err on the side of caution. Um, you know, Ben Core has been playing well. Um, Basumo did well on Saturday. So play with the three again. Let them spread their wings and they can distribute and pass it forward to Kane and Son. Uh, Michael, do you have anything? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I agree. I think we're going to have the two up front, three midfielders. I think someone we haven't talked about today who is looking better and better, in my view, is Perisic. I feel like he's continuing to improve in his form, and I think that if we've got Kane and Son up front and three in the midfield, we can take advantage of that open space that Man United provide. And I think, let's look at a macro level, Man United are going to wish that they had done better against Newcastle. Newcastle, I mean, they really did come close to winning that game. Ronaldo kind of sputtered out of the game, in fact. Um, how are they going to respond to it? I'm not sure. But um, we're coming from a stronger place than they are from this last game. And if we come in there and we've got Son and Kane to sort of take advantage of of those spaces, especially with Kane and Son and their their passing ability with three in the midfield. If they play as strong as they have been playing, you know, and, and with Perisic 
uh, in particular looking better and better, I'm going to, let's say, be even more optimistic than John. And I'm going to say I think it's a very winnable game. I think we should win that game. I hope you're you're wrong about Ronaldo having another uh, strike of uh, uh, lucky lightning um, like he did the last time we played um, when really it was Ronaldo versus our entire team and Ronaldo managed to win it himself. He carried Man United all the way. I'm hoping his sort of uh, inconsistent form will stop him from doing it this time. Our strength and our form um, and having two up front with a stronger midfield will do the trick. So I'm actually, once again, pretty optimistic about it. I think we ought to be winning on it. And I'm not a betting man, but if I had money to bet, I'd be betting on Tottenham. Actually, uh, anybody have any final thoughts? Because anybody? Lucas, go ahead. Well, I think uh, I, I love I love to hear that from you, Michael. Um, but as far as Ronaldo's concerned, I don't think he is going to start, despite his record against Tottenham. He's not in favour at the moment. And... Um, you know, he hasn't started the last few games. So I, I don't think they're going to change that just because we're playing Tottenham. I do not expect to see him in the starting eleven. Lucas? Yeah, and I, I could see that. But in my opinion, it would just be so foolish to not. It would be like not starting Harry Kane against Leicester. Like, there's one thing you know it's going to happen when Harry Kane plays Leicester. It's the same when you look at Ronaldo. Like, he's playing Spurs. Like, of course he's going to bag at least two. So, um, no, I, I just think that I think we'll see – I definitely don't think we'll see Kulichewski, um, even if he's fit, because with the amount of games we have coming up, I think Conti is more pragmatic in the fact that this is a game that we can probably go get a draw from, and that will be an okay result. So if we walk out of Old Trafford – not many teams get to go up to Old Trafford and say, oh, we walked out of there with a point, especially teams that are playing six games in the span of 18 days. So that's where – I think he'll be if, – if, if Kulu's ready, I think we'll see him against Newcastle at home in a, more, in, in a more friendly environment than trying to rush him back up at Old Trafford when we could just try and go up there, play a clean game, and walk out with a point. So I, I think Conti, like he always says, he's like, if you can't win the game, don't lose it. I think that'll probably be our attitude going up there where it's – our, our goal on Wednesday is to walk out with at least a point and anything above that will just be bonus. But I, I think getting a point is probably our main, our main goal on Wednesday. Fair enough. Um, but actually here's a thought though. If you don't think Dayon's going to play, I mean, Brian heel has looked good. I know we've talked about it last episode where it might be debatable that if he could actually withstand the physicality, but I mean, if push came to shove, whether it be, Knock on wood if we're dominating or if we need a goal. Could either of the three of you and see Brian Heel come on? Um, I'm not sure about that yet, but I think something we're overlooking is that we have two of our best players on the injured list. Um, Luke, I think Conte's already said that Kubaleski's out for Wednesday. Okay. So um, that's going to happen. And we've got two of our fabulous players missing. And we're going to put a great team out on Wednesday. And that hasn't always been, you know, that has not been the case in the past. But, you know, the squad is stronger. 
And yeah, okay, so we've got a couple of guys, good guys, that are going to be missing because of injury. But damn, just changed around a little bit, put an extra in the mid, put pursue on in the midfield, bing, bang, bong, off we go. We've got a fabulous team. And uh, yeah, I, I, I'm really pleased with that part of Tottenham this year. Lucas, final thoughts? No, and I agree. Um, and that's something that, like, if, if we looked at the table right now, I think one of the reasons that most fans are freaking out a little bit and are as pessimistic as they are is because of the fact that Arsenal's on top. <laughs> that if, if you were to swap Arsenal with, say, Newcastle, the, the mood in Camp Tottenham is, as a fan base is probably a million times better. It's the fact that it's Arsenal sitting on top is what's kind of annoying. Um, but that's what, to John's point, is we just had Kulichevsky and uh, Richarlson, two of our best attacking players, they had to come out with injury, and we're sitting here going to Old Trafford, and we're still feeling like this is a very winnable game because we can just slot around different guys in different positions with different depth, and we can just run a different formation out. That's not a gift that Arsenal has. You take Jesus, Martinelli, you take one or two guys out of that lineup and that team crumbles and that team blows. Our team has the depth with our squad that we're able to actually make these adjustments and sit here going to Old Trafford with our two most or two, like two of our best attacking players are injured and we're still feeling good enough going to say we could get three points at Old Trafford. That's something that, that like John said, that's something we've never had before, that kind of squad depth. So I'm excited, and I think that if we do play our best on Wednesday, it could be it could be a legendary day for us. Fair enough. You know, Lucas, uh, since you had the prediction of not pessimism, but you had the gambling mind going on, but you were optimistic with what you just said, uh, you want to dive in with predictions? Yeah, I'll go first. I'll just say 2-1 to United, and that's only just – I think we play lights out, and I think they just get two cheeky moments of nonsense like – similar to what Everton just got against us this past Saturday, except at this time they have somebody with a little bit more quality at the end and they slot them both away. But I think we play a great game. We just shit luck gets us 2-1. Goal who for scores? Canada. Gotcha. Uh, Michael, who you who do you have? I'm going to say Tottenham wins 3-1. to one. I think they've got attacking threat. I'm not going to doubt it, but I'm going to be optimistic and say uh, – we're starting to get going here, and this is the moment where uh, the rubber hits the road. That's what I'm looking for. And who are the three scores? I think it's going to be Kane. I think it's going to be Son. And I think it's going to be Bentoncourt from the midfield. Sounds good. Um, John, I'm going to let you go last because you have the most optimism out of this conversation. But um, for me... I don't know. This is so hard for me, but I'm going to say, I'm, I'm going to, I know this probably is when you low, but I'm going to say a tie of 2 2. And uh, I'm going to go with John's usual scores of Kane and Son. Um, just because, I mean, probability wise, yeah, we've been looking better. We have been in control at times, but we're playing at Old Trafford. There's, they could look like world beaters. They could look terrible, but I don't know. We'll just see how it goes, I guess. Um, John, as noted, you have the optimism, so what's your Yeah, story? I mean, you cannot go into this game pessimistic. They've got, the, they've got the best start that they've had since 1960. 
Tottenham are on a roll. Yes, it'll be away. Yes, it'll be at Old Trafford. But we have to win. You know, this is going to be a win for us. 2-1 and Son's going to get a brace. Sounds good. All right. So we have one last match to discuss. Um, On Sunday, we were actually going to play Newcastle United, which is the 23rd of October. Um, So for anybody uh, that listened to the last episode, um, our relatively frequent contributors, Jeff and Peter, will both be there. Um, Say hi to them if you see them. Um, We're playing uh, Newcastle at 10.30 in the morning, 4.30 London time. If you want to watch in America, it'll be on USA. If you're in the UK, you can watch either on Sky Sports Main Event or Sky Sports Premier League. Um, as of right now, they just are they are right now sixth place in the table. Um, this past weekend, they did tie Man United. So their last five was a draw, win, win, draw, draw. Things are looking up since the Saudi takeover. Um I actually enjoy watching uh, St. Maximin. I think he's really good. Um, but I think, uh, you know, they got some other good players. Joel Linton, he's uh, – Drew, he used to cook at the Atlantic. He told me that he actually moved more to central midfield, and he looks like a different player. Um, as a Sweden fan, Emil Kraft apparently looks good, but Kieran Trippier has got the starting role right now. Um, another Sweden player, uh, future hope of Sweden – Alex Isak, he's out injured to our benefits, of course. Um, but the big one they, who they bought last winter, Bruno Guimaraes, he's been very good. He's already having rumors that uh, Real Madrid want him, but he said he's staying for now. So that's good for them. Maybe not so great for us. But, you know, if you're a Newcastle fan, things are looking up. Um, this could be very tricky. Uh, I do rate Eddie uh, Howe as a manager. He's done a lot of things differently, as I know, with Joel Linton, Emil Kraft, and so forth. So, see how this goes. Who wants to kick this off? John, go ahead. Yeah, I like you. I have a lot of respect for Howe as a manager. However, we have a 100% record at White Hart Lane, or whatever, White Google Lane, or whatever they're going to call <laughs> it. Um, and I don't expect that we lose that against Newcastle. I really, really do not. We've been magnificent at home. Um, I think the the fact that the crowds have been massive and vocal, it gives us a huge lift. And Newcastle's not going to break that record. I'm sorry, not a chance. Now, that's how I feel about it. Michael, you look like you've got something to say. Yeah, I think, I think Newcastle is more threatening now than... than than we've ever seen them before. That's an easy statement to make. But having watched them playing against Man United on my flight uh, back to Chicago, I have to say they were looking pretty good. That said, John, I totally agree with you. I think they're going to put up a tough fight. They've got some good things going for them right now. Um, And they've got some energy, some pep in their step, if you will. But I think that at home, at Tottenham, or Google Chrome Lane, uh, I think I, th- I think we're still going to end up on top. I-, I think at the end of the day, our atmosphere and our players are better, even though they've got a lot of energy going on. That's you know, I think Man United will feel like uh, they really fought a really hard game to tie against Newcastle. Um, 
I think we're going to stay on top of them. And I agree. The Fortress will continue to be the Fortress. Sounds good. Uh, Lucas, you haven't chimed in yet, but I know you're probably ready to say something. <laughs> no, I mean, this is, uh, they're one of these teams where just, they've had a couple of nice results. Um, they beat the hell out of Fulham. They beat the hell out of Brentford. Um, but, I mean, this is also a team that drew 1-1 at home with Bournemouth. Like, this is a team that has the menta- the mentality is one of their problems. They seem to get up, and again, they drew nil-nil against Palace at home. So it's like, if you're drawing 1-1 and nil-nil at home against Palace and Bournemouth, like, it's it's clear to me that they're choosing which games they get up for. And that's a that's an area where you bring in the mentality factor. And that's why it's really important for us to get ahead early. This is a team that if we get ahead early, we can put this team to bed within 30 minutes. And like we did last time, how, yes, they scored first. Last time we played them at the lane in the spring was what, 5-1, was it? And they went ahead, they went ahead with an early goal. And then we just scored five unanswered and just put them to the sword. And that was just because I think it was Ben Davis got one right. He answered back real quick. Then we had another one and then another one. And once we get ahead of these teams, and if Newcastle wants to play an open game against us, I invite every team in the Premier League to try and do that against us. It will not end well for you. We have the best counterattack, arguably, in Europe. So, please, if Newcastle wants to get into that game, I'm more than there for it. But what we'll need to see from us is a little bit more of us being clinical and ruthless in the early in the first half in the final third like we didn't see against Everton because that Everton game ended 2-0 when had we been able to put one away in that first 10 minutes that game could have been 7-0 we could have absolutely hammered them out and that's what I think we'll see from Newcastle is they're a team that wants to get forward so and they have the guys to get forward but I don't think they have the guys if they lose the ball to get back and defend a counterattack like ours so I think it's really important for us to try everything to be as clinical as possible in front of goal and get that opening goal because that's where else I think we'll see us just I think we'll like I'll bring back the mentality factor I think mentally they'll just kind of throw in the towel and say screw it we're down three whatever as opposed to some of the stronger willed teams that we'll see in this league I like the optimism on this one yeah I don't know this I'm just I mean I like I like your way Everybody's way of thinking is just my thing is, can we continue with the role that we have past two Premier League matches and do it again with Manchester United? If we win or if we lose or tie, but we still play well, that will still give me hope for this Sunday. It's just, I don't know what Spurs. I know, again, we've looked more, we've looked better recently. It's just. Maybe it's because I've been a fan for 20 years and keep reminding yourself about how historically sometimes this team can let you down, but better take John's optimism at times, I guess. (laughs) Lucas? Well, I can be the first to restore some optimism because this is the one that I'm optimistic about. I'll be damned if Kieran Trippier is going to come in here and beat us in N17. And you do loathe him. And I know that he loves an own goal. He loves a cheeky back pass that beats your keeper for no reason against Chelsea. Like, yeah, he loves all those. So I'm all for him going to have a classic trippier game. And this is the one to do it because 
I'm I'm all for that. Like I will be damned if he walks back into our stadium and gets points off of us. Like we'll be ready. We'll be up for it and looking forward to Sunday. Sounds good. Uh, John? Yeah, and I think there's a good chance Kubaleski might be back Sunday too. Which could make a huge difference. Unfortunately, uh, he won't he'll be on the right side, so he won't or if he plays, he won't be facing Trippier, unfortunately, but yeah, well. Um, anybody have any other thoughts? If not, we can go into predictions. Sounds good. Um, I'm going to go first because uh, while we were talking, I did put in my prediction. Um, I do like the optimism regardless. Uh, I'm going to say we win 3-1. Um, Kane scores and Sun scores too. Um, Michael, you want to go? Oh, I think it's tricky. I'm I'm going to say... I'm going to say 2-0, and I think it's, uh, as usual, Kane's song. Fair enough. Okay, uh, John, you're looking at it, or you're looking at the screen, so I'm yeah, I'm going to go. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go 3-0. Um, I, I expect Son to score two on Wednesday, so I don't think he's going to score on Sunday. I think Kane's going to get a brace, and it's about time Sassignon got a goal. Kane, wait. Uh, who's you said Kane with two Kane two and gotcha. Sessignon. Fair enough. Okay, Lucas, you're the last one to go. Who do you have? Uh well John stole one of mine there, but I'm actually going four two. I think that uh Newcastle tries to make it a track meet and I think our firepower far exceeds their firepower. So I think we went four two, two goals for Kane, one for Sun, and John stole mine, but one for Sessignon as well. Sounds good. Okay. Um, anybody have any final thoughts before I wrap things up? Sounds good. Um, so first things first, this is Michael's first podcast under his belt. Hopefully you didn't hate it. Um, hopefully we'll be back for many more. Um, but thank you again. If you don't like, if you don't uh, like me, make sure you mention in the reviews. But I'm, uh, <laughs> I've enjoyed it. I'm hoping to be back. Uh, and it's been great talking to you all. That's awesome. for sure. And uh, to plug it even further, since um, Michael is the head of the Chicago Spurs uh, rec team. Um, do tweet out to us or Chicago Spurs. Um, if, and if you have any questions with that, of course, and tweet out, we'll send We'll forward that to him in an appropriate and timely manner. But again, um, again, thank you to myself for editing and hosting um, Anthony for scheduling and for writing this out. Uh, Anthony, your good deeds and effort does not go on us. Uh, we are appreciative of you. Um, for those who don't know, he is actually – actually, he just left probably a little bit ago. But um, him and his wife, Shannon, are going to Lisbon and Germany for their trip. Um, he's actually going to be at Porto and Benfica, I think, this weekend. So hopefully the two of you have a fun time, and we'll see you in two weeks. Uh, Charlie, thank you for the music. Um, for those who don't know, for both John and Lucas's – segments they uh charlie did that so thank you again um sam for social media kimberly for the logo as always the atlantic bar and grill for use of recording space um find us on on many platforms such as itunes spotify and stitcher um subscribe to us of course and as michael noted earlier write us a review on itunes or anywhere else you get your podcast good or bad if you want to verbally abuse or written or verbally or abuse us in a written manner go for it um or write us some compliments go for it um as usual we are on twitter and facebook and on facebook at the tw- uh, handle four star spurs uh, if you want to go to our website it is four we do have a backlog of previous episodes 
we do have some Rick rants, we have also some cast member files. And as usual, come on you Spurs! <laughs>